Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your e-commerce tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. On this episode, we interview Chloe Thomas, founder of e-commerce Masterplan. Chloe Thomas is the founder of e-commerce Masterplan. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the e-commerce Masterplan podcast. She's been deeply involved in e-commerce marketing for over a decade now. In her latest book, Customer Persuasion, she gives a step-by-step guidance on how to influence your customers to buy more, depending on the stage your e-commerce business is in at the moment. Plus, she shows how to determine your business stage and where you should be directing most of your focus right now. In this episode, we go over the keynotes and learnings from the book to help you make more sales and create a repeat customer base. Hey, Chloe, how are you? Hi, Eliana. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. So many of our listeners are already familiar with you through the e-commerce master plan podcast, which we will link in the episode notes. But for those who aren't familiar with your work, can you tell us a bit about your background and the e-commerce master plan? Yeah, of course. I've been in e-commerce and online marketing since about 2003, 2004. And I started off in a multi-channel retailer. So we had stores, catalogs, and the online side of it. And then I've, I've worked with all kinds of different size, sizes of business and types of business, and all kinds of different products from holidays to sweets, basically, the whole, the whole nine yards. I started e-commerce master plan about four years ago, and it started with the publication of my first book, e-commerce master plan itself. And mm-hmm. since then, the business has kind of evolved a little bit. And now our focus is really, as it always has been, on helping People like like the listeners work out how to go about growing their business. What's the quickest route to success, really? And that now I deliver through the books, through my mastermind program, where I work with smaller retailers in groups, and also through the online courses that we publish, too. Awesome. All right. So in your latest book, Customer Persuasion, it talks a lot about influencing customers in order to buy more. You also said that there is an unethical persuasion if you go along those lines that it will kill a business. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us more about that idea and some of these kind of the differences between the ethical and the unethical? Yeah, definitely. And thank you for asking that question because it's one of the things I find most fascinating is that the tools we have at our disposal can be used for good or they can be used not for evil, but uh, but for bad. Because a lot of the kind of the influencing methods and the marketing you know, getting your marketing really well optimized is something that anybody can do, whether they're selling for the good of the customer or not for the good of the customer. So, for example, we all know that, uh, well, maybe we don't, hopefully we do, know that social proof is a really good way of getting people to buy. That's why we put testimonials and review scores and everything. Now, you can use those to help the customer choose the right product and buy the right product, or you can use those to fast track the customer into just buying anything. And the problem with if you do the latter is that you end up with a lot of customer service issues. And unfortunately, unlike back in kind of 03, 04, those customer service issues aren't restricted to the conversation between you and the customer. 
they now end up on social media and all over the place. So not only do you end up destroying the relationship with that customer, you end up destroying the relationship with a lot of prospective customers as well, which is why kind of it's right there on the front of the book of be careful to to use these tools for good, really. So it's uh, interesting that you touched on that because I was wondering, how do you think marketing changed uh, for e-commerce specifically today as opposed to just a few years ago? I mean, 2005, 2000, even 2010 is not, you know, too far back in the past, right? But it has changed a lot, yeah. It has, and I think for me, the thing which has changed Let's let's put it, take it up to two things. The two things that have changed the most is number one, the technology to do the clever, sensible marketing is now affordable for most businesses. Back when I started, if you wanted to put a welcome sequence together on your emails, that would cost you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Just even if you're going to do all the work yourself, the tech still costs you hundreds of pounds, which is just crazy. And these days, you know, you can get that out the box on a free MailChimp account. So that's made things a lot accessible. So rather than just talking strategy all the time, people are now able to implement those clever strategies. And then the second side of it, and this is something I've really, really noticed in about the last 12, 18 months, is that people are stopping talking and working on the bright, shiny objects, the, ooh, we've got this clever new plugin. They've now moved over to going, how can we help the customer on which plugins can help us achieve that? It's a subtle difference, but it's really made a big step change in the marketing and the the growth of companies is rather than thinking, all that tech's really cool, they're thinking, how can we make the experience as best as it can be for the customer and where's the right tech to enable us to do that. Another thing you talked about in your book is this quote unquote, the conversation. What is that all about and how is it important or why should our listeners care about it? Ah, the conversation. Yes. It's a bit of a hard one to grasp. I think sometimes let me explain it this way. The conversation is every interaction one of your customers has with you in their entire lifetime. So a lot of that conversation, you as the owner of the business, as the marketer within the business, don't know is even happening. You know, it's when they're down the pub with their friend and their friend mentions your business and how great one of the products was. It's when they're driving down the road and they see someone carrying your shopping bag or they're watching TV and someone is doing a review of your product, or you're mentioned on a blog, all these places which are out of your control. But it also includes the interactions they have personally with with your business, how they see your website, their experience on your mobile site, their experience for your checkout, the emails that you send them, the pay-per-click ads they see. It's the whole kind of impact of your business on that person. And it goes throughout the entire lifespan of that customer with you. And it's the key thing, and the, the, sorry, the reason I put the conversation in the book and put it right up there at the front and right at the top of the model is because if the conversation jars, then the whole thing falls apart. You know, if you think about, we've all got that friend who's a little bit, we don't quite trust them. Because, you know, one day they're saying that this is happening and the next day they tell, you know, one one day they say like last night, yeah, last night I had the most amazing time and we saw this film. And then you realize that that film isn't even out yet. And then, you know, the following week they're telling you something totally different. One week they love flowers. The next week they love carrots. You know, it's like that kind of 
mishmash just makes it really, really hard to to build a relationship with with someone. And it's exactly the same for a business. So the whole idea of the conversation with my slightly random example is that you're being consistent and you're building a consistent relationship with that consumer, whether you know that they're they're experiencing something about you or not. Sorry, Jeff, that was a very rambling answer. <laughs> no, it was, it was actually useful. Yeah, being answered exactly. So, um, you know, everyone in e-commerce actually wants to know how to sell more. I think that's probably the most pressing question. And in your book, you talk about the five different stages of customer persuasion. Can you give our listeners a little bit? Um, I want to say like a brief summary of what each of these stages is about. Obviously, we don't want to give out everything because we still want them to get the book and read the book, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you want yeah, to give us a summary, that'd be great. Yeah, no, that's cool. And um, I think I think it took me about seven or eight hours to read the book out. So uh, we're not going to be here that long. So I'm sure I'll leave plenty, <laughs> plenty behind. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying the conversation. We might keep you for that long. <laughs> oh, no, by that point, I'll have fallen asleep. <laughs> You're going to be snoring down the line. <laughs> But okay, so the five stages. Well, if you first of all imagine six circles going from left to right across your page or your screen or whatever's in front of you right now, and between each of those is an arrow. But those circles, let's start with those, they relate to each of the customer relationship levels that your customers can, can be at with you. So on the far left, we've got the world, and that's everybody in the world, whether they've heard about your business or not. The next um, circle is visitors, which are the people who've actually made it to your website. They've heard enough about you that they've made it to the website. The next circle over from that one is then the inquirers. They're the people who've given you their email address. Then we move on to the first time buyers, followed by the repeat buyers, followed by the regular buyers. And as anyone running an e-commerce business will know that your job is to get people from the left side to the right side as quickly as possible and get as many of them there as possible. And that's how you make your money, how you make your profits, how you grow your business. So the arrows represent the stages. So there's an arrow between the world and the and visitors. There's an arrow between visitors and inquirers, an arrow between inquirers and first-time buyers, and so on. And each of those stages is where you should be focusing your time, your effort, your money. But you have to, first of all, work out which of those stages is most important to you. You shouldn't be working on all five of them at once because there's probably one which is the weakest for your business. So to give you kind of the headlines for each of the stages, stage one is all about making people aware of your business and bringing them to your website. So it's about things like understanding what your business is about and then making sure that you're conveying that through your marketing. So it might be search engine optimization. It might be uh, Google shopping campaigns. It could be uh, influencer campaigns and, and PR, all sorts of different things that, that happen there. Then stage two, which is all about turning those visitors into inquirers. And um, I should say for me, it's far more important to get the email address from the first time for the person who visits your website from, for the first time than to get the um, the order because you're you're going to see a higher conversion rate into emails. It gives you a chance to convince someone to buy. And, you know, large proportions of people don't come to your website to buy anyway. They come to do research and to find out more about you. So make it easy for them to do that. So the stage two is about turning those visitors into inquirers. And first of all, you have to create a good impression when they get to your website. And then it's mainly about deploying pop-ups and email signups and getting the right incentives and, and reasons for people to sign up to your emails. Then we get to stage three, where things get, there's an awful lot more you can do 
and there's an awful lot more you can control by this point. So you now have their email address. So you've got to put together the right welcome sequence, the right communications to get them to actually purchase. But of course, it's not just about email. It's about all the other marketing methods you're using to, to speak to those, those people who've signed up. Then stage four, we talk about turning those first time buyers, the people who bought for the first time into a repeat buyer. And there's lots of different things you can do with email marketing to do this. Of course, your customer services has a huge part to play in this. You want to make sure that your customer service team is doing a great job. You also need to make sure your delivery system is good. The parcels look good. There's a good experience for the customer when they receive that product and so on across all the different options open to you. And then we go into the last step, which is step five, which turning regular buyers into, um, turning repeat buyers even into regular buyers is really, this stage, I mainly go into why the regular buyers are important and how if you can harness their knowledge about what they think about your company, you can learn an awful lot about what it is that makes customers love you which of course you can then feed right back into the beginning of the model to then improve how all your stages work and then how your business grows overall. So it's really, by the time we get to stage five, it's about learning from your customers so as you can improve your business overall. It's very interesting. It was very informative as well. So what are some tips? There was a, a lot of different stages. Mm. What are some tips for the listeners who are these business owners yeah. to help determine where they're at out of all those different possibilities? Yeah, cool. So there's there's two methods for working this out. One is the the proper way, in inverted commas, uh, quote unquote, which is to get down into the numbers. And that's fully explained in chapter nine, but it would be a properly tedious podcast if I took you through that right now. And because you really do need to get databases out and dive into various programs and get a big spreadsheet going, which just really doesn't work on a podcast. So I'll tell you about the other one, the quick and dirty method, the simple method. Take a piece of A4 paper, divide it into five areas, one for each of the five stages, and think about the marketing that you're currently doing and into which of the boxes each piece of marketing fits. So if you're doing email broadcasts and you've got an email welcome sequence, they go into stage three. If you're doing a post-purchase email marketing sequence, then that goes into stage four. If you're doing Facebook advertising to people who've previously been to your website but haven't bought yet, then that would go into stage two and so on. And then see where the gaps are. Which of the stages are you not doing anything in? Because if you're not doing anything in that, then uh, the chances are you're not doing very well at it. And that would be, be the place where you're going to get the quickest wins and the quickest gains by improving. I quite often come across businesses who have, they're doing their email marketing, they're doing their, uh, maybe they've got a Google shopping campaign running. So they've kind of got stage three and they've kind of got a bit of stage one to get visitors into the website in the first place, but they haven't got a pop-up running. That's frequently something I've, I see people people failing to do is to grab those email addresses from people who come to their website. So that's often the quick win for people is a stage two uh, pop-up to turn visitors into inquirers. And then the other thing I see people doing is they've maybe only got one marketing method running to get people to their website in the first place. And really, you need to be to have quite a range of marketing methods to be pulling people in. Does that answer the question for you, though, it, Jeff? It does. And I have a follow-up. So to cool. repeat back what I'm hearing is that you feel like businesses should focus on the areas of weakness where they're not doing much stuff and that they'll see the most gains in those places. Is that what I'm hearing? 
Yeah, that's that's my experience. If you find the place where your business is weakest and improve that, then that will help you grow because the whole thing works as a bit of an ecosystem. So you've kind of got to keep the whole thing in balance if you really want want to scale. What I should say, just, just in case anyone's querying on this one, is it doesn't mean that if you're terrible at PR, you have to work on PR. There are lots of alternative ways to get people to your website. So it's partly about finding the method in each of the stages that works for you. Okay. Does yeah, that make sense? No, it does make sense. The reason I brought it up is because you hear both ends of the spectrum. You hear some professionals will say, focus on the weaknesses and improve those. And then on the other hand, you have people that take more of like the, the Gallup poll strength finders approach of like just abandon your weaknesses and focus on what you're strong at. And so that's why I was wondering how, how or why you, you felt the way that you did. Yeah, I, th- I think as um, as hu- in terms of human development, you know, and personal self development, I am a bigger fan of focusing on your own strengths and outsourcing the things you're less good at. But I think when it comes to a business, you know, if you're fantastic at converting people who've signed up to your email sequences, but you only get a thousand people to your website a month, then but because you're not very good at driving traffic then you've got to find a way of driving traffic or you know or your business is just going to fall over so unfortunately we can't ignore any of those five stages but there's usually a method or a or a way of either either a marketing method or a way of implementing that marketing method which will suit the skills of the business owner okay no that makes sense yeah, that's interesting that you touched on that and the five stages. I was thinking, you know, this is my moment to shine <laughs> here, at, here at Conversio because it's no, but truly because at Convert, like our app, this is what it does. It actually segments all of the, the customers into different, different customer segments. So whether it be a first time buyer, a repeat customer or an inactive customer, which makes it a lot easier for people to send, you know, different emails based yeah. on that customer's um, stage. It may not be the business stage, but for that particular customer, it makes it a whole lot easier to communicate with them in a way that's, you know, in sync with their buying history, because you don't want to communicate, as you said, you do not want to communicate with all the customers you know, using the same message because they're all at different stages. And we even have some tools that will help our users or our listeners to collect email addresses from inquirers. And, you know, so it's something to check out. Definitely. And it's, um, I I like the fact, you know, you, you say about how the tool does all those things, because that's, it's, it's really important to get that basics there. And, And part of the reason I wrote the book was I was finding people were hearing a lot of talk about segmentation and they were disappearing off and working out how to find the segment of men over the age of 30 who wanted to buy tulip bulbs. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, that's, that's brilliant that you can find that out and you can create an email for those 10 people. But how about we take a step back and we, A, look at a segmentation which you don't have to keep manually redoing, you know, which is the stage sure. your customers have got to. We look mm-hmm. at then creating sequences of marketing that will work again and again and again for you, not about, you know, disappearing down the rabbit hole, but let's actually look at the, the segmentation which has worked time and again in retail for decades now. So that's kind of one of the reasons I put it right in front of the center. So I, I like the fact that we're in sync on this. That's good. Yep. <laughs> right, it might be easier actually for an established business to sell more to their existing customers. And we even say this all the time at Convergio that it costs less to sell to an existing customer. 
But what about small stores just starting out, you know, who have limited, you know, limited funds, limited everything, really. They're just starting out. What are some marketing actions to turn curious visitors or traffic into maybe inquirers and maybe even potential buyers? Well, I think the, the first thing is to aim for the inquirer before you aim for the purchase. Some research I was reading this morning is that 92% of people visit your website not planning on buying. So if you can put something in front of them that makes them interested enough to come and sign up to your emails, then at least you can continue the conversation because there must have been some reason they came to you in the first place. They must have been interested. So I think kind of the first thing is to make sure you're getting that email sign up. And for me, that means deploying software that will enable you to create a pop-up. It doesn't mean giving a discount to people in return for their email address. It means persuading them to sign up because the content you're going to send them is going to be so good. That's the the kind of the no-brainer got to do it. And then after that, the ways of getting those sales, first of all, is well, one, you've got to remember to send a welcome sequence after you've got the email address to continue the conversation. If you do that, that will put you ahead of some of the top 100 retailers in the country which is pretty crazy, but actually true. So feel smug once you put your welcome email together. (laughs) And then the other thing in terms of getting the the conversion is to make sure that your, your website is doing the job it should be doing. So make sure that when people are coming to your website, they're able to find the right product and buy the right product. So that does involve some elements of user testing. And there's a couple of great resources out there for doing this sort of thing. There's um, Hotjar, which is a system which will track people on your website and show you what they did, where they came from, where they fell off, why they didn't buy, why they did buy. Um, And then there's another one called usertesting.com, where if you've found a problem or, or a problem you think you've got, you can actually set people the task of trying to deal with it and get their feedback before you decide on your method. So I think those are kind of like two CRO, conversion rate optimization tools to get involved with. Thanks a lot for sharing those. I think uh, a lot of our listeners would love that. Um... So if you only had 30 seconds in an elevator with a random stranger and you wanted them to buy your book, (laughs) how are you going to pitch it? What's like the number one takeaway for me as a business owner? (laughs) Oh my God, that's a a horrendous question. Oh geez, you already waited Um, five seconds. is, yeah, I was just like, oh, just like just waffle through those things. I say this book will be your ongoing resource for ideas, tips, tricks on how to improve your business when you get stuck with the in the growth curve. Okay, all right, I think you made it under the. Did w- I? <laughs> that was barely ten seconds, actually. If you ask me. <laughs> I know, but that that's not something I've had to answer before. So I'll, I'm I'm okay with the ten seconds. I'm going to stick. <laughs> actually i had another one that's sort of off topic if i can jump in real quick eliana do you have an unfair advantage for podcast listenership because of your awesome accent i was going to say that i just don't (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's not something i was aware was good um until great Well, and, and I went to my first conference in the States about two or three years ago and just had people going, say that again, please, just just keep talking, keep talking. I was like, really? Why? Don't yeah. um, I don't know what the fascination is. Like, I'm based out of the, the Midwest area in, in Michigan out of the States, and 
there's just something about cool accents that I would love you to take a poll um, on your, your email list or something <laughs> and just ask like flat out, how many people listen because of my accent? Because I think you're going to have a yeah. really high... Who's- like not to diminish the quality. Who's here for the voice? Not to diminish the quality of your content, but you have an unfair advantage over most of us in the states. <laughs> you you may just have come up with my next marketing campaign for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's maybe it's deploy a load of Facebook ads in the US saying you bored of listening to men talk about e-commerce? Come listen listen to the British female. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, could be good. Could be good. But there's actually on a on a slightly more serious note, one of the travel not that much more serious, I promise. One of the travel agencies in the UK, can't remember who it was, but they put a load of posters up over the tube, the London Underground, which said, um, "Go to Las Vegas, where your accent is an aphrodisiac." I thought it was quite cool because I until I went to America I had no idea the British accent was was um was liked. No idea at all. What about how about you personally on your journey? Like you've been in it for quite a while now. You've been writing these books, doing the podcast. Like what are some of the most underrated things or just noteworthy things that you've seen work for business owners or just that business owners would use in this space? Oh, I had one amazing one the other day on the podcast a lady called uh called Susie came on who does so Susie's stamps which is an american business selling those stamps you use to make um cards you know ink stamps yeah and she'd on her website she put in place a little widget that when someone if a product's out of stock someone can fill in their email address and be notified when the product came back into stock and that little widget for a really simple piece of tech, doubled her sales. That's impressive. Doubled. Wow. Because, of course, if you're making that specific, if you want to make a card and you've seen one of your great card designers create a card using that stamp, you want that stamp, don't you? You know, It's like, that's the one I want. So simply by doing that had a massive impact on her sales. So I think that's a really interesting one. And then a lot of the people I've seen, a lot of the ones I'm impressed by, those who are doing email capture to then use a welcome sequence to convert. So one of my clients has been working on optimizing even uh, Facebook lead ads, you know, the ones you run to get the email address. So you get the email sign up right there and then. And they've got that to the point where they're paying less than two pounds per email address. And within six months, 20% of the people they get signed up have bought. So that's just a 10 pound cost per acquisition for customers which their price, their price point is several hundred pounds. So, you know, they are really loving that at the moment. So that's quite an interesting model I'm seeing seeing working. Interesting. All right, where can our listeners get the book Customer Persuasion and learn more about your work? Yeah, of course. Well, they can find out everything about me at ecommercemasterplan.com. They can get the book Customer Persuasion in all formats. So there's the ebook and the paperback. And if you're loving my voice right now, I've read the book. <laughs> so you can just rock back in Audible and just listen to me for some something like seven or eight hours. Uh, <laughs> please try and listen to some of the content because it is quite good, uh, even if I say so myself. And if you're you're wondering whether you want the book or not, if you head over to customerpersuasion.co.uk, then you can get two free chapters. So you'll find out all about the model itself 
and you'll find out, I'm trying to remember what the first two chapters are. So first two chapters, why customer persuasion and introducing the customer master plan. So it gives you a really good grounding in what the book's about before you uh, take the plunge and part with the cash. Cool. Awesome. Well, it was uh, great talking to you. Uh, we learned a lot in this episode and we had a few laughs, so that was really enjoyable. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us. No, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Aliana. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, um, so thank you. One Stop Shop is a production of Convergio. Learn how to manage all of the marketing tools, channels, and strategies that you need from one dashboard by visiting Convergio.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit ComeAliveCreative.com. To listen to more episodes or to give us a rating, please visit Convergio.com forward slash iTunes. Oh,